What's up, guys? We need some more suggestions and topics for the pod. So if you guys have any suggestions, leave them in the comments down below. Don't forget to subscribe, follow the TikTok channel, and follow on Spotify and Apple Music as well. And let's get into the pod. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Young Blood Squared podcast. I'm your host, Jack. I'm Josh. And today we're going <laughs> to... Sorry. First time. I forgot that that's like usually where you introduce the guests. Yep. Anyway, today we're with my friend Scotty Laughlin. So he is a man of God, fellow follower of Jesus Christ, unofficial pastor, as I like to call him. He's a certified public accountant, a super uh, big nerd when it comes to running, and also a host of his own podcast, the Chip Time Podcast, that we'll link down below. Scotty, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Uh, yeah. All yeah. right. So one of the questions that I feel like we need to kind of ask to get people's uh, view of you correct is why are you so obsessed with the King James Version of the Bible? Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, there's so many ways I could take that, but the I got to use the words of my pastor, an official, okay. official pastor, official, unlike yeah. me, who said, sometimes you got to go back to King Jimmy. There's uh, something okay. about the the old English that really resonates with certain verses, and that's what makes me just pick them out every so often. So you know that's fair because honestly, my favorite verse I like to read it in the King James version because Matthew eleven twenty uses the word laden. I like that word, but because uh, what's you want to uh, just just to get people a little little more introduction? What's your what's your favorite verse? I think because I think I know it, but what is your well, it is in the King James oh, yeah. Version, James 5, 16. Mm -hmm. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. The effectual fervent yeah, prayer of a <laughs> righteous man availeth much. And one thing I'll add, Josh, is that the first Bible I was ever given, it's a little one of those pocket Bibles of just the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, was in the King James Version. So mm, before, okay. so you grew up with before it. I no. could even read, I had a Bible in the King James Version. That, that that that's some indoctrination if I've ever if I've ever heard it. But Amen. <laughs> yeah, kind of. So kind of along the, those same lines. Um, this is something that I know we both wanted to talk about. Um, with denominational divides, because that kind of sometimes can stem off of um, Bible version divides. Everyone you know has their own thing. Um, because obviously, like this, I feel like has been a topic that has spurred up a little bit more as of recent times, just with young people, especially turning so much more to God in large numbers in some ways, in some places. Um, definitely the the whole question of which denomination should I be a part of, especially when it comes to the big three, Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, comes up a lot. So, you know, I want to get get your take on that with, you know, what, like how big a deal is the divide? Should it be our main concern? Is it something we make too big a deal of? Definitely, it's it's a great question that you ask. It's It's very important. And one thing I want to get out there just really from the onset is I am no theological expert by any <laughs> means. Uh, I am just someone who has grown up in the church and attended the church and reads my Bible on a daily basis. Really, I try to model my life, you know, in, in the way Christians do, uh, but I fall short on a daily basis like all of us. Nonetheless, mm -hmm. I'm excited to express my opinions on some of these things and I'm thrilled to answer your question on the denominations because I grew up in the Protestant church. I'm still part of the Protestant church as a Presbyterian, but I think the divide is a legitimate issue. It mm -hmm. should not be 
this way. And my biggest gripe with it, so to speak, is that it seems like each one of those factions you listed, the Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, and the Protestant Church, is so confident that they're the ones that have it right, Mm. that they're willing to set up these weak arguments from the other side, knock them down, thus asserting their dominance of the authority of Scripture and saying whoever is believing those other factions of the faith must just not get it. They must just Mm -hmm. have something wrong or they must not have had it explained correctly. And I I really struggle with that level of divisiveness. Mm -hmm. I think it like kind of like you started to allude to that it really comes from a point of a lot of pride. And obviously we know that that's the last thing that we as Christians should should, uh, strive for. Um, One thing that like I reflected on it a lot, um, just like, when reading over especially Paul's epistles, when you see the amount of times that he talks about the Holy Spirit being the seal that marks Christians for the day of redemption, therefore basically also saying, as he does, that it's our guarantee of salvation. When you see that each denomination in like whatever church you go to has people that bear the fruit of the Spirit, having kindness and patience and, and goodness and faithfulness and joy and love of God— when you see that across the board, I think that to say that one church, for instance, would be the true church is denying the Holy Spirit's work in the members of other churches. And that, that to me, I guess, is the biggest red flag is because you can't really um, rectify the work that God does in other people if you say that they aren't even a member of the true church. Amen to that. And, and I even have uh, a verse from one of Paul's epistles that really, really struck a chord with me about when we look at this divisiveness and, and maybe what did Paul think about this? Second Corinthians 13, 11, uh, this is not in the KJV. <laughs> Aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Mm-hmm. Seems like we're not really doing that today, <laughs> but those were Paul's thoughts on the matter. That would be the hope, you would say. And I remember even um, in one of his other letters that he wrote about, they even in the early church, they struggled with that a little bit just because they had different teachers. So like they had, I think the examples he gave were like Apollos, I think Stephen was listed in there, and then him, rather than saying, as he put it, that we should all say that we're followers of Christ. And it's like, that's why I say I introduced you as that, because ultimately that should be the top uh, identifier that we are identified with. The beginner um, disciples and members of the early church called themselves at first followers of the way, which first, uh, I remember a lot of people have pointed out kind of the uh, link to Mandalorian with that. It's a little, little funny thing, but, and obviously eventually they became known as Christians or little Christ, but they never deemed themselves anything other than merely followers of Jesus. And that's what a lot of people are trying to get back to, but then there's obviously some pushback from people in certain churches where they try to be like, no, we should identify with this because it's the true church, trying to link it to a like a man-made institution. And that's what it is. Like You can argue whether or not Jesus, when he was around, founded a certain church. But when you look at the way he talked about worship or about his, his body being the body of believers, it's about more than anything physical. There is a heavy spiritual aspect to it. So, yeah, but um, yeah, I mean... I, I am curious, so I know the Presbyterian, um, I, is that the one that, is is there infant baptism in that one? I believe there is. Uh, 
So, because I kind of wanted to ask you, I guess, about that. What do you um, what do you believe um is kind of the scriptural basis for that? Well, it's funny you bring that <laughs> up. I, I literally was asked this question yeah. yesterday. I'm not even kidding. I was asked this yesterday. Good, you have an answer prepared. Then. <laughs> and, <laughs> somewhat. I think the the greater point, and then I will answer your question more directly, is just because I am part of the Presbyterian Church does not mean that I blindly mm. subscribe to every value that the denomination presents. Mm. I believe that we all are called to read our Bibles mm. and to find scriptural support mm -hmm. for each aspect of the faith that we believe in. And so in that case, uh, I've said it half seriously, but half jokingly, when it comes to infant baptism, which is something that Presbyterians are known for, we do that at our church. Uh, but I will say it's not a requirement for parents to have their children baptized. That is a choice mm. that even if you are a member of our church, you don't have to have your, your children baptized. Our pastor has preached on that topic a few times to present on why Presbyterians baptize children. And I'm just going to be honest with you guys, just like I said at the onset, I'm no theological expert. <laughs> From both of those sermons that have been presented, I have come away with them kind of like, you know, nodding my head through through the sermon and being like, that seems like a good point. There's some good verses there. And then I get to the end and I'm like, wait, what was the big idea there? Like, where was my main takeaway? <laughs> so I have not fully gotten there yet with why we so hold true mm -hmm. to that practice. But there is biblical support, really, the parents' dedication of the child, mm -hmm. wanting them to be raised in, in a way that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And we do not believe that it saves the child mm -hmm. to baptize yeah. them. So I want to make those yeah. points clear, uh, but also be honest that I'm not fully there myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I did want to, I guess, like, um, see what your perspective was on that, because I think... I have heard that also that like the the main area where, for instance, Presbyterians would differ from someone, um, say Catholics, is like in the symbolism of baptism as an infant rather than like a marker of salvation or whatnot. Um, because I like I know usually when topics come up about that, usually circumcision gets brought in, kind of like in the Old Testament of it being a marker that the child would follow along the pa the path of God. And so it seems like, like as a whole, from at least what I've seen Presbyterians do hold to that, that it's like, it, this is a dedication and a commitment. It's by no means like the child is enacting their own faith um, in that. It's more of like, kind of like you said, the parent's dedication, which is something I definitely admire. But yeah, that's that's interesting. I, was, I appreciate your, your take on that. Um, kind of um, on the denominational thing, what I think that, as Christians, we should definitely all agree that there are fundamental pillars of the faith that can't be argued and can't be um, withdrawn from, or else then you lose uh, like what you're actually supposed to be seeking after, which is God and the true God. What would you say, because um, I've heard in general the same answers, but sometimes there's a little bit of difference. What would you say are like some integral pillars can't be shaken of the faith? 
it seems like such a simple question, <laughs> it's but not. it's it's also like somewhat of a trap because I mm-hmm. feel like I'm gonna leave something out and then just <laughs> someone's gonna question everything else. You're I not say. a Christian. You forgot. <laughs> like that. You didn't pr- articulate it right. That is probably going to happen. So I apologize in advance for my shortcomings. Neither of us are theologians. Let's. let's we are not, that. but you're you're much more of one than I am. Um, <laughs> but you know, a few to, to a your point. Sound. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I just heard that on the headphones. I just realized that was kind of crazy. It's like <laughs> <laughs> to your point, though, Josh, yes, there, there are fundamental things that if you do not accept these certain parts of the faith, you're no longer practicing Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you deviate in so far from certain pillars of the faith that are foundational, then it's, it's not the faith. So one of the main things which I had first on my list was that God is Trinitarian, the Mm -hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is one God in three persons, yet all three of them, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are all God. Mm -hmm. That is one foundational pillar Mm -hmm. of the faith. Yeah, I would, because um, on that, one one thing that's been interesting that it's kind of been dwelling on my mind is I know that one of the um, big biggest differences, for instance, between Catholic and Orthodox Christians is their belief of the filioque, the whole, which some forgot exactly what it means in Latin, but the idea that um, the Holy Spirit proceeds or is directed by um, the Orthodox belief by the Father, Catholics believe by the Father and the Son. I've heard very interesting arguments from both, but do you think like something like that, for instance, would be one of those secondary issues that does not determine like that you are following the true God? Is it one of those like interpretation differences? I would say absolutely, mm-hmm. because let's be honest, God is God mm-hmm. and we are not. And all we know about God is what has been revealed to us through his word and and what we have discovered through the studying of his word as it has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. And with as a Christian, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is living inside of me, dwelling inside of me, and is the, the main driver for why I can understand anything about God. So for something like that, where it seems more interpretation-based, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like that would be a foundational thing to say, if you believe this interpretation, you are not a Christian. Mm-hmm. That, that seems way off base to me. And, and in my opinion, as I hope this doesn't sound lazy, there are certain things about God that we're just not going to understand. Yeah. And that's okay. And he still deserves to be worshiped. Mm-hmm. And we can be grateful for the ways we see him in our lives. And we do learn about how God operates. But I, I tend to take more of uh, an approach of surrender to the mystery of God and just thanking him for the ways he has revealed himself. Yeah. I think one of the really interesting things with the Trinity is that people do often try to make analogies of it, like, oh, the states of water or like even, I've heard a bunch of them, but I mean, as as is told by us, by him, to what in, shall, in creation shall I be compared? Basically saying, no matter how, how hard you try, there's never going to be an analogy in my own creation that you're going to be able to apply to me because of how far above it he is. And so I think I think you're right that while like it's not something that is deterministic of whether or not you're following the true faith, 
I do think topics like that are really interesting to dive into, but rather not like with a a mindset of whatever I determine is correct and the other person's heretical. I think topics like that are ones you should dive into to try to find the like and explore the mystery of God and at the end of the day acknowledge that we won't be able to understand intimate parts of his nature, but that we can be in wonder of it. You know, we can be excited by things like that um, and try to discover it. But at the end of the day, deciding like one way or another, because like I said, there's arguments on both sides there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say one or the other is completely off base. Um, especially when looking at the way Paul describes the Trinity um, throughout all of his letters. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think that's definitely one of them. The, I obviously like one of the other ones kind of along the same Trinitarian lines is Christ divinity. Like that kind of has to be one of them. And I know like in the early church, the Gnostics were kind of one of them that came not against it, but definitely faltered from it in that they believe the Old Testament God was different from Jesus, who they kind of viewed as a New Testament God. Um, or like Mormonism, for instance, kind of dethrones Jesus from any God state and says he's basically what we can be, which, you know, stuff like that. Um, I would say, the, like, the third one I've heard, and I, get, I don't know if this is, like, really controversial. I guess it depends on who you ask. The salvation of gra- by grace through faith. To me, that has to be kind of one of the pillars because apart if if we don't have a at least base idea of where salvation comes from, then the hope of the gospel kind of falls apart to me. I think. But yeah, your thoughts and, on that? And in addition to that, this would be part of a much longer conversation. So I'll have to give <laughs> kind of a, a summarized version in in the onset here when it comes to a, a few of the solas of the protestant church uh, solas. Uh, sola sola fide faith alone and sola scriptura scripture alone sola gratia grace alone um i think one of the you could say shortcomings of certain perspectives of the faith is that because we are saved through faith alone by grace alone right then our works don't matter Mm -hmm. at all. Some people sort of present that because they feel that if you talked about the value of works, you would be preaching a works-based righteousness or that you could be saved by doing enough good for the world, and we know that is not the case. However, there are so many places in the Bible where it talks about the value of doing good works Mm. and that we will be judged by our works and that faith without works is dead. dead. The famous two James two 17, James two and Ephesians two have got to be like the two most, I guess the two chapters that people converse the most on when it comes to salvation, probably because of course you have a T Ephesians that has the by grace through faith. You have been saved. And James two, like I said, has the, um, with great or faith without works is dead. The thing I always think is interesting about the James thing is that in the verses before that, to me, when when I read that and I've read different commentaries on it and whatnot, he shows you in those verses, um, basically tries to demonstrate, and this is something I know we both want to touch on as well, what like true faith is and what it looks like. And so in those previous verses, for instance, he talks about someone coming to you with troubles like they can't feed themselves and he and he proposes the idea someone tells them go in peace be well basically just giving them a like um a loving and endearing thing just a just a bunch of words without performing any actions 
And he said, and then he asked if that faith that they will be well can save them. Well, no, they they don't have any food still, so they're still going to be hungry. And when, it, but so when you look at that, it's that these people give them an endearing term, but they don't provide any resources to them, even though they possibly could. And if so, if you tell someone you love them, but you don't demonstrate it through your means that you have available to you, does that not show in a way that you do not actually truly love them? And so the analogy that I pulled from that is that if you say you have faith and yet your faith does not produce um, doing things that are honoring to God and being loving and whatnot, do you actually have genuine transformative faith? Because I think the the word faith, especially in Western culture, kind of gets twisted to basically mean solely belief because also we have obviously verses talk about belief, but from what I can tell from scripture is that faith, as it's described, is a complete life transformation, something that you, when you attain it, it, you never live the same again. In, in like modern terms, I've kind of thought of it as a combination of belief and obedience. And that is what leads to this faith. Of course, acknowledging that the faith that we also get only solely comes from God. And so once again, that faith is not a work even that we do, but rather salvation still only belongs to God. Therefore, the faith that he gives us can only come from God. Amen. So I know that's a lot, but I, that's Amen. Some... Beautifully articulated right there. Beautifully. I, I don't have much to, to add to that specific component, but there is something else I wanted to touch on when it comes to faith, because I think for, I'm sure many in the audience are, are maybe not Christians and maybe not as familiar with that word in the context that that we're talking about it. And one thing that I really wanted to distinguish, because it's it's very delicate, and I probably will do an imperfect job of articulating it, but there is a certain point, and, and it really is the driver of what faith means, what true faith in God means, is believing in something even though you can't see it, mm-hmm. right? That's sort of the the cliche. Yeah, back to the Hebrews 11. Exactly, thing. exactly. And and I illustrate this in sort of a, a modern-day sense, right? We have a lot of cool technology equipment around us right now, so so this is a good, a good way to illustrate it. If they had high-definition 4K cameras and live streams back in gospel times, when Jesus was performing his ministry, the miracles and everything of the sort, everyone would still not believe because mm. you could say there are like AI deep fakes <laughs> and like all this stuff, right? There would there would still be all of this contention. And I bring that up to say at a certain point, you still would have to take a leap of faith mm-hmm. to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ And so to your point, it's that change in your heart attitude that fully exemplifies what it means to have faith and be a believer, because there's never going to be just this concrete proof, so to speak, of a a video or audio, because that's not the way God chose to Mm -hmm. reveal himself to us. And that's, again, another thing I defer to our great creator (laughs) and his way of doing things instead of our way of doing Mm -hmm. things. 
I think um, I read a John Piper quote recently that put it that saving faith is the treasuring of Christ above all other things. I think that kind of ties into like a lot of stuff we've been talking about. Because if you do treasure him, then that is going to transform the way you live your life, what you value, what you choose to do. And it's also going to transform like in your heart what you believe to be the purpose of life or what you believe like even like you were created for. Um, and I, li- I like that way he put it because he was talking about faith a bit and like saving faith versus non-saving faith. And an analogy I know a lot of people use is, for instance, like pure belief, acknowledgement of something is true is not the faith the Bible's looking for because, I mean, Satan knows that Jesus is God and he is definitely not going to the new creation. So, you know, if, if that is not enough, then it has to mean something else. That's why, like, the obedience part is what I would add to it. Now, the problem with that is obviously you can fall into a uh, workspace salvation pretty easily with that. If I don't do enough, then I'm not saved. And if I do do enough, then I'll earn God's favor. And that's definitely not the thing you want to fall into because ultimately, like we know, you can't earn God's favor because he's holy. No matter what we do, we'll never attain that holy status without his redemptive power eventually, like in the resurrection that it describes. Um, yeah, I think like because faith definitely becomes... A, a topic of debate recently i think especially when i talk to people um just because like i said it it has gone a bit just because of language like shifted a bit uh, from its original meaning um i think like when you look at the gospel authors they had a pretty clear concise view of what it looked like something i thought was really interesting um that i was reading in like galatians um was that james because i know a lot of people point to james to describe how faith alone cannot save a lot of time they kind of use that but when Paul went to the apostles to counter-argue the um, people at the time who were arguing that you had to use the law to achieve salvation, he went to the apostles, and he specifically outlines Peter, John, and James. And he went to them with the gospel of by grace through faith. They all affirmed that he had and was teaching the true gospel. So when I read that, I'm like, okay, well, if James clearly here affirms this, and in later books people claim that he disavowed it, there has to be something here that we're not catching on to. That's why I kind of like when I look at James, I read it in a different way after seeing that, seeing that he was talking like about what true faith looks like versus fake work, uh, faith that's just proclamation rather than demonstration. There's there's a false duality there for mm-hmm. sure, where where some people take something in one context and say, well, if this is absolutely true and encompasses everything then this other scripture must not be true. And of course, we know that's not the case. They are complementary to each other. And those apostles' affirmation is is more proof of that. Uh, one other thing I, I wanted to mention in response to both your Piper quote from earlier, but also we, we did exactly what I said would happen. We skipped a foundational pillar of the faith. Darn it. And (laughs) it is the most foundational pillar of the faith, which is the fact that you mentioned Christ's divinity, right? Mm -hmm. But I think we need to expand on that a little bit. Okay. That Jesus Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. through the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, and on the third day proved the words he had said previously in his ministry— that he is the resurrection and the life as he was raised mm-hmm. from the dead on the third day. And and 
that needs to be said. So the because, gospel, the <laughs> because <laughs> that is the foundational yeah. pillar of That's a really good point. The faith, and and I just wanted to especially underscore that here because we're talking about many theological things here today, and I'm all for it. I love it, <laughs> but we we need to not ever lose track of the most important foundational pillar of the faith, which is the ministry of Jesus Christ, because that is the good news of the gospel mm-hmm. that we can share with a world that desperately needs it. That's honestly such a good point, because now I think about it, nobody has, I've ever heard say, what's a foundational pillar of the faith and just said the gospel? Because, I mean, uh, Paul outlines... That's why it's in there four yeah, times. Paul outlines a few times, here's the gospel you've been taught, here's what you should remain faithful to, and it's usually very simple when he lays it out, like you, like you just described. I mean, that's pretty our, our way to... Like, it sounds simple, but it's it is the a good articulation of the gospel, and like that is if you don't start from that point, then Christ's divinity, like that stems from that. The Trinity, like like birth of the Holy Spirit to glorify the Father, the incarnation of the Son, like that. That's where the Trinity is displayed in like probably the most prevalence, at least throughout Scripture. That's like kind of especially when you look at like baptism of Jesus, for instance. Um, if, if I encourage our listeners to go back and read that, that like is one of the most clear uh, demonstrations of the Trinity in action. But now, actually, that's a that's a good point that I had not really thought about. Amen. <laughs> but Amen. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? And um, yeah, I know we've talked about a lot of theological stuff, uh, Jack. But you got any like questions? Anything you wanna? We're we're big nerds on this, as as uh, some of our listeners probably already know about well, me. Well. Like I don't know how how much have you filled in with Scotty about me? I I mean like <laughs> you're a mystery to me. So. <laughs> I'm uh I'm like okay. He's a skeptic. I'll most be of the like time. this is nothing based off Josh. So don't like like don't worry. Like um I would say me and Josh are like almost the exact opposite. I'm more of like a like so I wouldn't call myself an atheist, but I also wouldn't call myself a Christian. I am more I the word that I've kind of just thought up as like an individual thinker just from like like everything going on with the world it's kind of hard to like trust like people's words and things so I guess that's why like Mm -hmm. I don't put all like it it sounds weird to say but like I don't put all my cards in one basket like that's kind of just how I've like thought like I I think anything's possible I don't discount anything like I would if like Christianity is real I wouldn't doubt it if like any religion is real I wouldn't doubt it. it's more of like I literally believe anything until i just see it for myself i guess just because there's a lot of things like going around in the world now with like different like i mean like it's it's hard to even like name off all the stuff with like the the virus that happened the uh the forest fires that have been happening and now there's like controversy whether or not that's that was intentional or not for like uh like black rock and we talked about that yesterday but like i would say like that's that's where Mm -hmm. i'm at just because that's what i've been like shown so now Mm -hmm. i kind of like I don't know. I guess it's just bad like trust issues mm-hmm. with the world. <laughs> I think that's yeah. that's been the case like throughout history cuz even if you look at Jesus' time like there was a ton of messiahs going around <laughs> claiming I'm the I'm the Christ. I'm well, the guy. That's like one thing like and I've always died. thought is like <laughs> yeah. Well, also Stayed like dead. something that you said earlier was like the whole like if they had uh technology back then like I agree with you completely like people would still doubt it yeah. and like like I I kind of like doubt what like happened back then or like maybe not doubt but like it's hard to because it's it's a lot of word of mouth but it's also like josh has told me it's a lot of people saying the same thing 
But then I'm like in my head, I always think like there has to be something that is missing or hmm. some kind of weird thing. Cause like there's so many mysteries to the world and it feels like before like a few centuries ago that the world is just a complete mystery and hearsay, mm. they're say like, mm. like just a bunch of people saying a bunch of different things. Like, like Christians will say one thing, but then why is a whole group saying something completely different? Mm. I don't know. Like that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's kind of my logic towards it. That's like, why I like when you <laughs> talked a little bit about the pillars because um, I know I was, when I was talking to someone in my work recently about Christianity, they were talking like everyone's saying different things. Like Jehovah's witnesses are saying this and Catholics say this. But the thing I told her, the thing that kind of hit her was like what we talked about, that there are fundamental truths. And we can differ on things, but at the end of the day, if we make those ter like secondary or tertiary things, like we say these are the must-haves, that's, that's just pride. Because at the end of the day, we can all agree on certain things, and those are the things by which if you look at like the early accounts of the gospel that Paul tells us to believe, that's what's laid out. Um, and kind of like to the, because the, there is definitely like, parts of even the, the the life of Jesus, obviously, that's missing. And there's letters by Paul that are missing. But as he puts it, the one thing that needs to be proven, and I think that the one, like, it's it's great that this is why, like, the way that the Christian faith, faith is laid out, that the only thing that has, been, has to be proven is the resurrection. And from that, you don't, like, while everything else is good to explore and learn from, that is, like, the one proof that confirms the rest of what's available. Wait, what is it? The resurrection of, of Jesus. That from that we have talked about this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that from that, everything else is proven to be true by his verification as God, who is able to conquer death. Um, and after that, like everything else like Paul lays out, the apostles lays out, they explain a lot of things very well. And it's good to look at their teachings, obviously, but that has to, you know, maybe another pillar <laughs> has to be like, this is the thing that we make sure that we strive after to never forget and to be able to defend the best. If there's one thing that we need to be able to defend, it's the resurrection, because without that, the gospel is way, like, it's too questionable. What's the hope? What? Where is it? Is that a little bit, like, I don't know, like, I guess this, like, like, isn't that a little bit, like, from what you said, like, I'm not trying to be like, like I'm not trying to be disrespectful, I promise. But I just well, I'm mean not like a theologian, so I don't. No, no, no. I get that, but like, <laughs> like based off of what you just said, having one thing, like you just said, if that if that was like the one thing, then like most things, if we say like there's one thing, usually we mm -hmm. kind of discount of like, well, if that if there's only one thing that could prove it, but then everything else would fall apart. Then like, what's your thought on that? I guess. Well, I guess there's a question like that for everything both else of you. would fall apart. Yeah, well, you just said that kind of mm -hmm. like if the if That's if someone well, yeah. could prove that the resurrection was somehow hoaxed or faked or mm -hmm. whatever, the entire faith yeah. would crumble. Yeah. So then how? And that's like, what then, Paul But says then everybody too. talks about all the other stuff as if it's like one hundred percent, like mm -hmm. like no doubt. Mm -hmm. But then like if but if it's all resting on this one thing, mm -hmm. doesn't that mean that all the other stuff is kind of just well because this is true, the other stuff is true, but like it kind of. I, would, I don't know. I don't know what kind yeah. of word to put it, but I would say, yeah, I mean, because as Paul puts it, if the resurrection is not true, mm -hmm. then all of our labor is in vain. All Why? of it, because if there's no hope for the resurrection, as he puts it, those who have fallen asleep, which is his term for people that have died, are dead and gone. There is no hope for life after death. There's no hope for um, like that God will take care of us or anything. The, the, he, he and the other apostles hinge 
the goodness of God and the hope of the gospel on the resurrection of Jesus because they view the resurrection as this will be our future if we put our faith into God, that he will not let us die and remain dead, but rather will one day resurrect our bodies. And so kind of like we said about like everything hinging on it is that, um, for instance, like the love that we all have for each other stems from the hope that Jesus really was God and he proved that by his resurrection. And everything stems just in like in one way or another. Some of it's a stem from a stem. Um, like the whole faith really does center on that. And that's why it's, yeah, to me, it's the most important thing to prove. And I think to the apostles, they said the same thing. Uh, mm. the, the chief end of the Christian, essentially what we are called to do is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. That that is the calling of good John Piper quote, the Christian so. <laughs> life. It's it's also the like question number one of like the catechism. Okay. That's and good. <laughs> you know, from that, I think it, it ties into your point there, what what you guys were just conversing on, because if we have so badly missed this mm-hmm. and have been giving glory to a God who is not actually who he said he was, mm-hmm. someone who is the resurrection and the life, then the house of cards mm-hmm. would all fall. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, which I thought was a very great point, which is, wow, you guys have kind of have a, a risky stance then. <laughs> yeah. <because laughs> if you are wrong there, then everything uh. else crumbles. I would say you are absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. and I am staking my yep. claim that it is the truth. Jesus is the way, mm-hmm. the truth, and the life. And I also just wanted to comment on you offering your perspective on mm. everything. Um, just with my reactions, really, I I feel like you are a very open-minded person. Yeah. Which is which so. is important. That's one way to put it. In, <laughs> yes. in today's today's day and age, where social media presents such an echo chamber of yeah. if you hold fast to these truths you're just going to get a lot more of that in your feed and you're yeah. going to validate those beliefs mm-hmm. but you are willing to explore the other side see what's out there and i would just offer that i once was that kind of person as well and what put me over the edge was not necessarily like a metaphysical breakthrough or some sort of huge wow moment through reading an article or watching a video or listening to a podcast. It was from my personal experience Mm -hmm. and seeing God work in my life, seeing him put people in my life who met me at just the right times when I was at my lowest points and in my darkness. That is what has truly pushed me over the edge uh, in a positive way Mm -hmm. with a parachute, so to speak, (laughs) and made me willing to stake the claim of my reputation on this faith Mm -hmm. that we've talked about. I think one other thing, um, I was just like thinking while you were talking about that, kind of like alluding earlier to what we talked about, like faith and salvific faith at that, is that there is an element to that prove while proving the resurrection, like we said, is something that we should all be strive to be able to do in our own uh, evangelism and also something like in our hearts for our own assurance. Proving the resurrection to be factually true does not still produce the faith that can save a person. Because like, like earlier we talked about, it really comes down to the treasuring of Christ, the like valuing him above 
everything else in the world. Because uh, even at the time, the Jesus resurrection, <laughs> you looked at like some of the leaders, the religious leaders that who crucified him and then heard that he was risen from the dead. And instead of denying it, instead of saying, no, this isn't true because they were, you know, all these people telling them and based on their accounts given to the religious leaders, those leaders believed it. They instead paid off guards to lie about what had happened. They so wanted him not to be who he said he was because they had their own idea of the the religion that they wanted to live, that they were willing to just completely throw away the fact that they even believed was undeniable that he had risen in favor of living the life that they wanted to live. And so there is an element to that, while we can prove the resurrection or the gospels to be verifiably true, facts are never going to be able to bring someone to the faith alone. They can be a good step stool of like, this is factually true. I think that's important. That can be a good, like that we can verify that it's true. But at the end of the day, it has to be the, I want to turn from valuing valuing the things of this world. I want to turn from practicing things that I know are not helpful or edifying to me. I want to put my hope and trust in following God, who I know will lead to life because he is the only source of anything that's good. And once you shift that perspective, which is what bib- the biblical term repentance talks about, to valuing God and God alone and finding your satisfaction in him, that's where that step of faith allows you to achieve salvation. Amen. That was, um, I know that's like kind of theologically complicated. but <laughs> It was very I mean, complicated. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah. I mean, no, I think, you know, it, it's good. I, I like the conversations we've had on here about, because uh, the, the, we've had a few, a we've good had, few conversations about yeah, stuff. Yeah, if you watch these back, I mean, we talk about a lot of like conspiracies and stuff, and sometimes it's kind of fun because I'll throw out something absolutely ridiculous that I kind of could believe just because like I'm open to anything. And then Josh chimes in with like his, uh, like, you know, the stuff you've seen today. Uh, but like, I mean, I've said like stuff like, like what if Jesus was like an alien that was somehow able to like take a second form or, um, I mean, what, what, what else is it? Like we've time talked travel. about some time travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I have so, said time travel. That's why yeah. I think kind of like to the point I just made that at the end of the day, it, it doesn't purely come down to verifiable like fact. It, it, that it just helpful. comes in belief. Like, there is a, have the there belief. is a belief to it. And the thing like I've talked to you about and thing like Sky has talked about is that, once you truly do achieve that faith, God's spirit does come to live in you, which changes every perspective on life and that it just becomes so undeniable because you're finally a witness to the work that God's doing in you and in the world. And things just look so different that it, it, it is that that's why I think Paul calls it the seal, the guarantee, because once it's there, you won't be able to leave it, which kind of ties into it. I wanted to ask you about is once saved, always saved a pillar? Is it something debatable? What are your opinions on that? It's a pillar, but the perspective is complicated Mm -hmm. and challenging because unfortunately, we don't have a way of verifying and putting that stamp on someone as they are saved. Even if they've made a public confession of faith, God only knows if it is Mm -hmm. one of his chosen called children. So when you see people heartbreakingly step away from the faith, I I think through scripture, 
the the answer we would arrive at is that unfortunately they were not actually mm-hmm. saved because God keeps his children who are saved. Yeah, I would say that's a good perspective on it because we definitely try to ascribe our own personal experiences to saying, well, this person demonstrated all this, but then they left. How do you explain that? And then you also have the things of like prodigals that may leave for years and then they can come back. And so during those years that they leave, you might say they weren't saved. Then they come back. It's like, oh, wait, they were. And God knew the whole time that they were. It's kind of one of those things that it's like only it's it is a one of those topics that's like God might focus on a lot more than we should because it's a heart issue. And when it comes to heart issues, only God can see the heart of those people. Well, one thing I think you're forgetting is that, like, I was, I mean, I was the one that went to private school. Mm -hmm. I was the one that went to a Christian school. Yeah. And you remember how, like, deep I was into that stuff. I'm waiting for you to come back. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, so here's the reason why, like, so I used to be very, like, I used to go to church a lot and stuff. I used to, like, like, I was, like, very, very into it. Um, But the thing is, when I, when I graduated, and I, like, stepped into the real world. Well, like, okay, I said the real world because it was kind of like a bubble. Like, pri- mm-hmm. you know, it's private school. Uh, and, like, you know, like the little bubble. So once I stepped out of that, I started seeing uh, just a lot. Like, I, I started seeing other religions, too, because I was playing basketball. So so we played with, like, some Muslim teammates. Some um, uh, I have some friends that are in, like, Buddhism and Hinduism and all that. So I, like, saw other religions. So then it was, like... Okay, there are other stuff. It's interesting to see the others. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in the, like, I don't believe in them, but it's interesting to see because that's their religion. But then I also like the year after I graduated, the year after I graduated from high school, COVID hit, and that was like seeing all of the. Um, I mean, this is very controversial, but uh, the lies and so I don't know what side you're on for that. I don't want to offend you or anything. Oh, but, I like, won't get offended. Okay, no. okay, uh, like. Just, like, a lot of the stuff with COVID and, um, like, you know, the government telling us to take certain and stuff and the, the all the that. all of the stuff. <laughs> what? You have to bleep that out. <laughs> Probably. I think that word's, Maybe. like, banned on YouTube. <laughs> Can't say uh, the V word. I'll, I'll bleep it. I edit it. <laughs> it's so. going to have the banner that says, At like, 45. click here to learn more about COVID-19. Oh, it, it oh actually I will. forgot about that. It will. You're I forgot right. that YouTube did that. I remember minutes, that. 45 minutes. Bleep it. 45 <laughs> minutes. I got you. Um, But... No, like, um, like I started seeing a bunch of that stuff. And then, uh, I mean, in the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of um, very fishy things go on with the world that isn't really being told to us. And then, like, recently with the, um, and I know you have a problem with this, but, like, the military people going to Congress and saying the aliens are real. <laughs> Whether or not that's real or not, I don't know if you've heard of Project Bluebeam. Yeah, we're not going to talk about this again. We talked about this on the last, like, five podcasts. (laughs) So you know what it is, so that's good. Uh, But, like, just with all of that stuff, there's so much mystery and so much, like, um, I guess my mind kind of just got mixed around and stuff of, like, okay, now I, like, now I just need to figure out, like, what I want to believe, what I feel like could be, whatever. And I know that I'm never going to go, like, back, like, fully to, like, christian faith but like like just no no just because i know i'm i've never been one to put my cards into one basket like i'm one that i would be like oh i believe in christianity and another religion or something Mm -hmm. like that that's just that's just really how i am uh but that's the thing that i guess that's like like you were talking Mm -hmm. about like i'm a prime example of that of like i got very into it but then i stepped back but that's because i like 
I started experiencing other things in the world that made me like really question like, okay, what is being told to us that could be true or not? Just because like the Bible is a book, but it's also people that wrote it. I guess mm. when I think I was like 11 years old when I found out, but like for some reason, I don't know why until I was like 11 years old, I thought Jesus wrote the Bible. And when I heard that like regular people wrote it, I was like, mm. wait a second. Like, yeah. uh, I feel like I would like, if, it, if you told me like God wrote the Bible and dropped it from the sky or like Jesus was writing it while he was living, then I'd be like a lot more Could leaning towards going it. to like a, like a, a borders or like a barnes and noble and it's like the bible by god, god. yeah <laughs> yeah a little that's the thing is like that's what i mean that uh, that was a big thing for me of like yeah. okay like it's not even just like one person either it was a bunch of people so i'm like people. okay how many of these stories could be over exaggerated how many of these stories could be fake i bet a lot of it's real but like stuff like how it's a, like um uh, noah's ark where uh, the Bible said that the earth, that the earth was flooded, but at that time they didn't really know what the world really looked like. So I just assumed that it would be like that part of the world somehow flooded, uh, but it was like over exaggerated, which isn't a lie. But then I really started thinking like these are like regular people. They didn't have any like crazy powers or anything, or like they were just like people that decided to write about it. And then I don't know who put it all together, but the church. Back like what do you mean the church back in like three it's a, it's, a, it's a history thing but yeah i mean the the current bible was put together and officially correct me if i'm wrong scotty about 300 ad like mm -hmm. all of it was compiled to decide aren't these, there multiple different no translations old testament new testament oh, yeah, this, all yeah. that so stuff the old testament was canonized about 200 bc so mm -hmm. the jewish um after they decided to stop killing all the prophets because they kept being right then they start, then they compiled the text, and that was the Old Testament that we know of. And then around uh, 300 A.D., they compiled uh, the books back um, into the modern-day Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Um, there's some controversy around seven of the books, but <laughs> we don't have to get into that. Um, One point yeah. of clarification I wanted to add, uh, because I made the, the joke about the bookstore thing, <laughs> is that the reason we call the Bible the Word of God is because... The authors who wrote it, we believe, have been inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the words of God. So mm -hmm. right. just a point of clarification. Yeah. I didn't want to seem like yeah. I was taking that joke too far. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, no. And I think I was revealing my age a bit by mentioning borders, which has been out of business for like I actually 10 didn't know what you years. meant by Wait, that. Borders. He said I borders heard... and Barnes and Noble. I just I just didn't know what he meant by borders. I, I, I only heard Barnes you... and Noble for some yeah, reason. That's if anyone strange. that doesn't know, Scott, oh I forgot to introduce him. He's also a <laughs> millennial. So <laughs> we used to crush it at borders. We used to buy these things called CDs and DVDs. I know what those are. Okay, we have I'll show you later. We have some. But no, uh, I mean two things. I would say one and Scotty would likely agree with me on this is i don't think anybody before um really taking on the path of following christ would ever have said beforehand i'm going to do that um just because and this is pretty uh, laid out in scripture that there is nobody that truly seeks after god on their own part but rather it's god who calls us to follow him and so in that we look back and we think yeah i'd never could have imagined myself on this path i look back at myself a year ago 
I'm like, yeah, I never would have told you that in a year this is where I'd be at. Um, and this it is also, where I never thought we'd be well, like yeah, doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but still, just like as far as like I never like if you would have asked me about God, like you know, just so much has changed. But um, and then along with like um, the Bible being written by people, I think that really, if anything, it it shows one of the um, one of the biggest differences in Christianity among other religions in God's deep desire to be intimately in relationship with his creation and that he even if you look back at for instance the story of adam and eve um one of the core lessons from that is that he decided to make humans his basically ambassadors on the earth that's what it means to be made in the image of god and that he wanted he created all this creation and then he wanted humanity to basically control it on his part with his guidance and leadership and so the bible being written by people kind of like sky said um being inspired by the Holy Spirit demonstrates that that relationship of with my guidance, you shall do these works. And that's kind of the attitude that God has toward humanity, not in like wanting to create robots that just do his will or not having like an iron fist over them per se, but rather wanting them to be able to enjoy him. Um, and part of that is making independent choices. Now, of course, you know, ever since the fall with you know, the, serp the serpent in the garden, we made pretty bad choices. But his goal is that one day we can be free from that sin so that we can make choices that are honoring to him. And by being honoring to him, they are good choices. I have a question for you. Do you believe in the whole Adam and Eve story? I mean, or like also you, like, yeah. so I guess I, I would like to caution <laughs> any couples that are planning on apple picking this fall <laughs> because the first couple that did that, it did result in the fall of humanity. It didn't go well. well yeah. And don't so listen. Well, I'm not gonna make that joke. Just because mind. like, I, I, yeah. I, I find it strange. The mm -hmm. Adam and Eve story, just because yeah. saying that those are the two first people of earth or, I feel mm -hmm. like that's like very. Yeah. Uh, I I can't find somewhere. the word for it. <laughs> I can't find I think, the word for it. But like yeah. that's the thing is like who wrote about that story and when because there's mm -hmm. no way that humans that early would have yeah. been able to figure out how to write all that and like save that well, story for so it. long. Who wrote it then? Moses. That was the why thing. though. Because he Moses so, was like would have been a long time yeah. after that. Right? He would have been. Yep. So he was the first prophet. Like official prophet right because abraham wasn't really considered a prophet mm -hmm. so moses was the first in the line of prophets which was an age during the old testament in which people would receive revelation and words from god in a different capacity than ever before um for the purposes to guide humanity and so moses part of that was that he wrote the books of early history in order to tell the story of humanity now one thing and this is like probably somewhat controversial but I don't believe that there every story in the Bible and every depiction can be taken ultra literally. And I, by that, I, I mean, I don't think if you whipped a video camera out that all the details it lays out in Scripture would be identical. The reason for that is because the people who wrote the Bible were also literary geniuses in that they love to use metaphors and things to describe things that were fundamental truths, but they would describe them in ways that we can comprehend. So for instance, uh, I was talking with this uh, about this with a friend this morning, like when it talks about Jesus coming back, he says that there's a sword coming from his mouth. Likely, if you were to record that, it's not gonna be a literal sword. No. It, it uses the, the uh, analogy throughout scripture of the sword being the word of God, being the sword of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, which comes with power and all that. 
So there's multiple times throughout scripture that you can look at, especially in like Psalms and whatnot, like poet, poetic language. And I think when you look at like the story of Adam and Eve, and then you look at multiple stories throughout the Old Testament, you can see that there was a clear um, literary purpose in how they wrote that story. So to talk, for instance, like um, about when God created the world to separate the waters and the chaos waters and all that, that held heavy significance both in their time because of the Canaanites, which were a people group back then, and then also throughout the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, this whole like the water theme, which has a bunch of themes to it, is carried throughout, whether it be the splitting of the Red Sea, the flood of Noah, even baptism, all links back to themes discussed in Genesis in the Adam and Eve story. So this, I think that there are fundamental truths outlaid there, but there's probably parts to it that are demonstrated in a way to make you think about the Bible as a whole in a certain way. The, the writers wanted you not necessarily to have a like textbook of history, but rather like a perspective on how the world works. Very well articulated. I would completely agree and sort of echo myself in, in how I said the, the authors we believe are inspired by the Holy Spirit to communicate those fundamental truths in a way that people who God has called to be his children can understand them. And, and that's why Jesus uses the words, he who has ears, let him hear. Mm -hmm. It means to those who will be able to gather the fundamental truths from the parables of Jesus and from, you know, all of the, the scriptures in the Bible, those are takeaways that, that are legitimate fundamental truths, whether or not, you know, everything happened in a 100% literal fashion. However, I would even compliment my statement there by saying, as a reader of the Bible, I surrender my understanding to God. You know, I pray for him to illuminate his word to me in a way that I can understand it. And like I said before, that is what faith really is. We're, we're never going to have the, uh, the, the term paper from a PhD that's like, you know what? I went through the Bible with some help from ChatGPT. <laughs> we got everything. We got the truths. Here's the bullet points. Mm. And you don't need to go to church on Sunday anymore because <laughs> we figured everything out. Mm -hmm. That's not what it's about. Yeah. It's a transformative heart. And like I said earlier, I have seen that through the way my life has played out. And so, you know, one of my last comments I want to make sure I get in is just the importance of how the church is a community. It's people coming together, whether you are a believer or not. I think everyone would agree life is not meant to be spent alone in isolation. We were all challenged in that way three years ago. And what I have seen in, in my life is just the beauty of being around people who legitimately care about me about the things that are going well for me, about the ways I'm struggling in life. And outside of the Christian faith, that's not a fundamental thing that people are called to do. They can choose to do it. I'm not saying everyone who's not a Christian is like a mean, stubborn person, but we are called to do that. We have the words of Jesus Christ in John 15, this is my commandment commandment mm -hmm. that you love one another 
as I have loved you. Also showing my age here with having a pen and, and paper mm-hmm. versus the, the tablets. Here. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> but <laughs> just just really that that is what has made me such a, a firm believer in Christ is is having that community of people um, being with me in the highs and lows and just seeing so many examples of where God has impacted my life. And I don't say that loosely as just, mm-hmm. oh, there was a coincidence here. Like there are some pretty concrete examples that <laughs> that we don't have time for today. But I would just encourage anyone who's listening, whether you are a Christian or not, um, to just be open-minded like Jack and just be willing to engage in community because I think those who are outside the faith maybe have a predetermined thought on what it's like inside the church. Mm-hmm. And maybe you had a poor experience in the past, but all I can do as I sit here is invite you to meet my church and my friends. You know, I don't have the control over everything, but uh, I, I would just encourage that level of community because that is where you see the love that Jesus Christ commanded us. Mm. Amen to that. I want to uh, kind of... One thing, are you about to ask your conspiracy? Or so I was going to make one more comment and then okay. and conspiracy. Let, let me, yeah. yeah, before you do the conspiracy, I have one like cool story to, to yeah. tell. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, well, one more point um, just to that. Um, I think that one thing that everybody should really take to heart um, when looking at Christianity and when trying to evaluate its principles or the um, value of it is that coming from a Christian, do not value the faith based upon the outward appearance of its people. If you ask any Christian about like following them or imitating after them, what they should have the attitude of is that it is not I who should be leading you solely and it's not I who you should imitate your life after, but rather you should follow the one that I am following because only he is perfect. And so, you know, when looking at the church, obviously one of the things a lot of people say is it's a gathering of broken people serving a perfect creator who is the only one that can redeem and restore us. Um, Because, yeah, there is a lot of church hurt, and I've heard a ton about it. There's a lot of hypocrisy, obviously. Um, But we know that as fallen people, we're never going to be able to perfectly imitate Christ, the ideas that we're just trying day by day through repentance to model our life and our hearts after his through prayer, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, with that comes a lot of patience um, with with even each other within the church community of, you know, trying to um, help each other through our imperfections and trying to kindly and gently correct one another. You know, it's not like within the church, we just uh, absolve each other of all of our imperfections and we say, no, it's okay that you messed up. We, we recognize that we're going to mess up and we try to guide each other to become better, to become more Christ-like. Because, I mean, obviously, like from any worldly thing, usually we judge organizations or we judge groups of people based on how those people act. The idea of the Christian faith is that nobody within our organization, per se, is going to be perfect, but that our leader, who is not on earth currently, 
is perfect and that he's the one you should truly follow and that we can merely try to guide you closer to him. But ultimately, it's a relationship with him that is going to be of ultimate value and is going to be able to represent Christianity as it's supposed to be. Um, so that's just kind of what I wanted to add to your very articulate point already. Um, and so what was your thing? Okay, so I don't even think I told you about this, but you know how, so me and my friends went on a, uh, a boat day the other day. And did I tell you that the, the boat like cut out? I heard about it. Yeah, so we had to get towed back to shore. But while we were getting towed back, uh, and this kind of like made me think the other day of like, hmm, like, I mean, obviously my mind is open to anything. I don't call myself a Christian, but there is there are some things that like, and this one thing in particular, I was like, dude, this is like kind of nuts. Uh, basically, we were, po- we were towing the, bo- the boat back to shore and the boat started like swaying a little bit to the side. It started heading towards the dock. And I'm at the front of the boat. And this is my boat with my friends. And I'm like, okay, I need to save the boat somehow. It's being towed. I'm I was pretty dumb for this, but I jumped in the water <laughs> to catch the boat because it was it was it looked like shallow water, grass and everything. You know, it, it and I remember before when we were going through the depth perceptor was like or whatever it's called, uh was at uh, I think like four feet. And I'm six foot five, so I'm like, I can jump in, stop the boat, it'll be fine. I jump in the water, my entire body goes under, and I come back up. I'm like, oh crap. And right behind me is the dock. So I'm in between a boat and a dock, and I'm like kicking, like, I'm like, I can't find the ground. Like, there's no ground. As I'm holding onto the boat, and I look behind and like seeing like the dock right there, and all of a sudden, a stone or a pillar or something that was underwater that didn't even show in the surface but like just barely was able to hit my foot on the right spot like right on the heel to get just enough leverage to be able to push the boat just a little bit so then I like just missed the dock and I thought and it was like right before I hit the dock and that was like one thing that like once I got pulled back up to the boat I was like what the fuck (laughs) like that was really close but i'm like what i don't even know what i what i put my foot on it was so small but it was just right to not be crushed in between the boat and the dock and like i guess you can kind of call that a near-death experience either that or i would have had some crazy brain damage because my head that's the thing is like I, i my head was the only thing above water so like the dock was right here. The boat was right here. So, yeah. So then I thought, I'm like, that is a either an extremely big coincidence or some kind of miracle. Because I'm like, like, damn, that was weird. Mm. And then I thought about that, like, the day after. I'm like, huh. Like, I just kept getting the image in my head. I'm like, what could that have been? And how, why right there? Like, right before, you know? Yeah. I don't know, like, Praise what's God you guys' thought about that? <laughs> like, I know that plays into uh, you guys' thing, is, too. I would not recommend jumping in the water <laughs> no. in, in that I've done that before, though. That's the thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, the, the water's definitely shallow enough. But I'm guessing that the grass might have messed with the boat's depth perception a little bit. But now I know. That's the thing. <laughs> but, oh. yeah, that yeah. Was, uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was my story. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Praise God for that. 
Okay. Thanks to him, but don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thankful. But I'm just saying, like that was like one thing that made me think, you know, as an open-minded thinker of like, yeah. hmm, that someone's was kind of weird. And like the out. thing is, it wasn't even like, like what could have been there. That's what my mm-hmm. question was, because I mean, obviously, like, like it's kind of hard to explain because like you guys weren't there, but like the the spot that I felt it on my foot, I was like, there's why would anything be there and pointing out. But not even out of the water, just like probably six feet judging because my I don't know how tall mm-hmm. my head is, but like just enough to just get the bottom of my body, like the bottom of my foot. I'm like, what could that have been? It wasn't like a, a stone. It wasn't on the ground because the ground wasn't near it. So it was something pointing up that had to be like mm-hmm. like this small, like this, uh, this thick. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? What is that? <laughs> yeah. I so. Mean- you know, I think uh, like Scotty would agree that you know God blesses all people like many times whether they be his children or not even just because of how much he loves and cares about us and that you know ultimately our, our course of our life is decided by him and you know he gets to decide you know how long we may be around for and if we're still around that means he still has plans for us and that you know, what he wants out of our lives, which is ultimately something good, is not done with yet. And so, you know, I know a lot of other people that have had experiences where they're like, someone was looking out for me. And I would say, you know, God does look out for his creation because he desires all to come to him and to enjoy, you know, what was a glimpse of his love to enjoy it fully. And so, you know, he, he extends those acts of mercy, I think, to show us that he is loving, that he wants to reach out and have a relationship with us, that he cares about us, and that that is just a glimpse of the satisfaction that he can offer. I would say if I were to compare it, like my biggest like comparison to this would be like someone putting their finger, like fingertip up and just like to get my foot. Like yeah. that's literally how <laughs> I felt. I'm not even just yeah. because that's like the that's how that's thick crazy. it was, but that's like I that's like crazy. I knew it felt like a stone, but it felt like a stone finger just like yeah. Like that, like just enough. I didn't hold my foot against it, but it was enough for me to like get enough leverage and then move the boat like slowly, but then like keep going. And then I almost got run over by the boat until someone pulled me up finally. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but That's yeah, awesome. I, I believe that, and, and this is going to connect to mm-hmm. your point, I promise, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> with didn't. some yeah. slight prefacing. I believe that we're all broken people and there's a lot of pain in this world that come that comes from the fall of humanity that we talked about earlier but out of that pain as christians it leads us to repentance to admit that we have done wrong before god and we are trusting in his will to bring us to you know correction and healing and peace and when we're humbled in ways where where life sort of knocks us down so to speak that is the posture where we see blessings Mm. and whether you want to call that like a miracle or whatnot, that's sort of a blessing that you were able to see immediately. Oh, it it wasn't immediately. I'd say like the day after I really started thinking about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, because in the once, moment once I was the just shock, like, once the shock, <laughs> yeah, once the shock comes yeah. down. But the you know the beautiful thing is when when you walk the Christian walk and attempt at least to have a heart posture of humility, 
is that you begin to see blessings in places you don't expect them. Mm -hmm. They're not always just the car crash that was avoided or things of that nature, but you see where the ship was steered in a direction maybe years later. Maybe it's the job you have now, and it just kind of seemed like something that happened at the time, but then it connects. This is why I'm supposed to be here. And I can think of a, a million different examples, but when you live that life of humility, which in today's society is very countercultural mm -hmm. to, to live a life of humility rather than the hustle, achieve, succeed culture of, of today, um, you're able to really appreciate those blessings so much more. And I can say, as far as like a, a worldly success, if we had like a matrix of worldly success and actual happiness, essentially, if we looked at my life externally, worldly success, what people can perceive versus internally, how happy am I actually? When I was living for success and wealth and whatever you want to call it, good grades, it maybe looked like I was doing better and I got more likes on social media mm -hmm. and followers and I kept striving after those things. But when I've now trimmed back from putting my hope in those things and really just studying the scriptures and having this community that I talked about and serving others, you know, I cook at the homeless shelter and things like that. I am so much happier, mm -hmm. even though there isn't the, well, it's kind of ironic because there's cameras on me right now, <laughs> but generally speaking, <laughs> I'm not cooking at the homeless shelter like, what's up, what's up? Yeah. We're here live with the sausage <laughs> here in the corner, just crushing it. You know, just doing good work for good people. Uh, double tap if you agree. If you're, you're way feeling too good blessed. at that. He, you know, I was about to say, he was way too smooth with that. Yeah. He's definitely done it before. Oh yeah. So it's just a, a change in, in posture that has really given me so much more fulfillment. And I praise God for that. But uh, I just bring that up to say there are those instant blessings that we see. It's like, oh, my God goodness that could have been so much worse i can't believe that yeah. happened and there's no explanation for exactly. it exactly but there's also these more subtle blessings that mm -hmm. you're maybe not even aware of yet mm -hmm. that you'll see later in life and be like wow it was all leading to that the whole time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. interesting yeah. that's a, that's Amen actually a cool way to put it that's why I call him the unofficial pastor. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah, man, that's awesome. What's but up here for the sermon today? Just <laughs> encouraging these young blood guys. Join the live stream. <laughs> but um, what's so, your conspiracy? You didn't even yeah. tell me, so I'm curious. Yeah, now. this is I've left a surprise to you both. So now that we've wrapped is up it our something I like serious theology. Yeah, I think uh -oh. we've talked about it once before. Now that we've wrapped up our serious theology talk, now time to get into the Youngblood Squared Classic that we must have every time. Conspiracy Hour. All Why right. did you say it like that? We've never <laughs> said it like that. I've always wanted to say it like that because I never this get to ask the question. This is why I'm the one that introduces it. Yeah. All right. Scott, are you ready? I guess. I don't know what I'm getting into Who here. were the Nephilim and what was their role in history? <laughs> we haven't talked about this since Oswan. Yeah. yeah. That's we could talk about that for hours. <laughs> Am I supposed to give like a thirty second answer? Yep. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, we got, you can talk. Yeah, we got we got a few minutes. Yeah, we got like a few. Yeah, 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 yeah. like yeah, a few. 
<laughs> to well, be fair, they have like two verses, so it's like, we can do, go back do. and so forth on it. So I'll, yeah. I'll just I'll mention a few a, a few thoughts, and then I'll maybe have a few additional thoughts after mm-hmm. you guys chime in. So in the book of Genesis, it would so seem that when the creation story and and sort of the foundation of the earth is unfolding. There's a verse that says something like, I would have had it ready if I knew this question was coming. <laughs> I should have it But ready. it says something like, the sons of God, right? Or what was it? The You know what? Why don't we just bust it out? We probably should. It's okay. in what, is it Genesis 4 or 6? Or what is it? I mean, you're the one with the questions. Sorry. But yeah. it, it essentially alludes to the, the Nephilim, these giants, right? It, it alludes to them being there. And then it just continues with the unfolding of creation. So when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, and that's referencing like angels, saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they looked and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. That's their cool introduction. So the that's, that's all you get. So the Nephilim, and, and that's the thing. Which is, means it, giants, It I seems to us, right, in reading that account, that we have a couple verses on giants, and then it pivots back, and it's like, all right. Back to the main story. (laughs) But the reason for that is because the readers of the book of Genesis at the time had more of a foundational understanding Mm -hmm. of these giants. And so they didn't need to like mansplain the context to them. (laughs) Like we would prefer now to have some more of the context. So I'm trying to remember your original question. Like who were they and what role did they play in history? Yeah, there's a lot there. David and Goliath. That, doesn't that kind there of prove theory on there that. are some David and Goliath like their genetic material well, proceeded what down? I'm, well, what I mean is like, don't you like? Isn't David and Goliath kind of like void if the Nephilim aren't real because Goliath was a giant, wasn't he? Well, giant and like David giant. was really small, so it's like a four right. foot tall guy versus like a seven foot tall. It's like because like you look at modern day, we have seven foot, eight foot guys. Not like, back then though. Yeah, people were way Yao shorter Ming, back then, weren't is they? Is Yao Ming one of the Nephilim? Maybe. Yeah. But like that's, well, that's that my point. Is like, <laughs> if like if they have mainly short people, but there was like one guy that was huge, they're like, oh, that guy's a giant. Like imagine like if like Brian Shaw went back, they'd be like, true. Oh, there's, there's Goliath. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it is possible because the most people, it's it's theorized that like the flood, that's part of the purpose it held, is to wipe the Nephilim off the face of the earth because. Um, they were like deemed wicked, and you know, obviously they're not—they're not supposed to be there. The the angels were not supposed to breed with the sons of man to create these basically abominations. Um, one thing that's interesting that I think is like the whole term the men of renown, because a lot of people pose, and this kind of ties into a lot of what we've talked about conspiracies, is that they played a part in a lot of the ancient like mega structures, mm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you? Maybe they explained the pyramids. Pyramids? Yeah. I mean, actually, that would be pretty there's also, valid, too. Yeah. There's also the theory that um, a lot of the de- the gods of old pantheons were based on them, that they were either larger or had some sort of, like, mystical power to them, similar to how angels, you know, obviously have, like, supernatural supernatural abilities just because they're spiritual beings. And so, like, these half-breeds had some kind of connection to the spiritual world that maybe regular men don't. There's a lot of theories on that. Of like mm-hmm. they played a role either in the gods of the old pantheons or in the construction of things like pyramids. 
Um, and obviously, like, Nephilim, I think directly, like, means giants. But, so, like, does that... I think so. So... Because we talked about that before, and I think yeah. I looked it up, and it was yeah. giants. Wow. Yeah. What, what do you think? Do you think they built the pyramids, guy? Oh, well, maybe. maybe. <laughs> Lord only knows. That's true. But, uh, you know, a few other thoughts I have. I mean, one inherently was, even in your explanation, is that, like, they were they were evil, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they were inherently not part of God's intended design of humanity. And so that's why it wasn't like, this martyr of the faith, this hero of the faith was this giant guy. <laughs> uh, so that's not in there necessarily. Now, one theory I've heard that I want to reflect onto this conversation is that when you think of the world, there's the physical world, the mm. visible, and there's the spiritual world, the invisible. There's a theory that when the flood happened and wiped the Nephilim out from the physical world, their evil spirits mm, still were around until, and, and they would like possess different human beings and sort of torment them and go from person to person until they were cast out by Jesus Christ mm. in his ministry. So, you know, I've heard that because there is the, I don't I want to say it's a controversy, but the debate between are demons the spirits of the Nephilim or are they the fallen angels that are just merely demeaned to the level of, because demon just means lesser spirit. It's a derogatory term, kind of similar to how Satan, like when you look at all his titles, the devil, the devil, Satan, father of lies, Satan just means the accuser. Like he's given all these titles to um, demean him. So like demon is a derogatory term coined by Moses. Um, so that is like a debate I know of, of the net, like we're fallen angels because that's kind of like a, cool name i guess like called demons and really that's them that they're they are the servants of satan who walk the earth with him or like you said are they the spirits of the nephilim i have no idea yeah i don't because yeah do you i mean they didn't they didn't have a veggie tales episode (laughs) they didn't yeah yeah we don't get a lot of details on demonology but and you know but it's because we don't really need to know it. We just know that they're bad. My and... <laughs> Sunday school class hasn't discussed it either. Yeah, because I also know all the terms about, like, angels that are chained up. And so, like, they're, like, you know, not allowed out. But we know Satan walks the earth. So does that mean he's the only angel that walks the earth? Like, you know, so does that – it's a pretty debated topic. I, I wouldn't say it's a pillar of the faith. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a pretty That's going to have wrap. to wrap it up yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, well – I'll let you do a little bit of the outro. I'll, I'll do so like the – no, no, no. Like, yeah. thanks, Scotty, for coming oh, yeah. on. Stuff. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, no, actually, though, thank you, Scotty, for joining us. This was honestly, like, a really good conversation. I, you know, he, um, if you guys couldn't tell, he's he's very good at, you know, articulating and just having great long conversations. He kept everything short in comparison to some other times we've talked. But, you know, I love having these long conversations with him. Um so yeah, just thank, thanks for coming on. We appreciate all your opinions and, and unofficial pastor talk. You know, if you're interested to further ramblings where I don't keep it short, Chip Time Podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. on all platforms. Oh yeah, and we'll yeah. leave that in the link down below. Yeah. All right, yeah, and you take now you're looking to me to do the outro. You go back to your well, hosting. <laughs> thank you guys for tuning into the Young Blood Squared podcast. Make sure you guys follow and subscribe. All of our links will be down below, as well as Scotty's. Thank you again for joining the podcast. And I'm Jack. I'm Josh. And that was the Young Blood Squared podcast. Peace. Mm-hmm.